Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So hello, everybody, and welcome to Charged Up Studio, where small business owners get charged up for success. So today, we've got a very special guest with us. As business owners, we always are faced with challenges moving forward as we grow our small businesses. And some of the biggest challenges that we may face is our health challenges. Because as a small business owner, and we're running everything, a lot of times what happens is if we come down with a critical illness or whatever, our business stops. And so we're going to talk today with a young lady called Fitz Kohler with Fitzness. That's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S. And she's going to talk about the struggles that she went through uh, fighting back from cancer. And we're going to talk about how you can um, overcome these challenges and still keep a handle on your business. So let's all give a heavy, happy, charged up studio welcome to Fitz Kohler. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for having me. And you know what? You are right is uh, as the uh, the queen of fitness as I am, if I went down in a ball of flames, so would my have so my business would have, but instead during cancer, instead of my business crumbling, I tripled it. I tripled the size of my business. I'm so proud of the way I handle things and I'm hoping to help others uh, figure out the best path forward whenever illness or injury will strike. So what do you attribute the increase in business to? What's one of the main things you attribute it to? Uh, hustle, determination, stubbornness. Uh, yeah, I, I was on a very public stage when I was diagnosed. I went from a woman with very long hair to a, a woman with no hair, never wore a wig. And people, people saw me out, um, working my, my, I was hustling, right? You can say, I was you, can say you, you working your ass off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so I, I know that I am a beacon of health and happiness. That's my business is to help others live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. And now I had no choice, but to be public about what was going on with me, even if I had worn a wig, people would have known it was, I, I looked different. And if I showed up bald, people would have asked what the hell is going on with you. So I had to make this public statement. Um, but instead of playing cancer's victim, I kept my health hardships to myself and I put on a happy face and I continued to do what fitness is supposed to do, which is uplift others and guide them towards healthy lifestyles. And I never got on 
social media and said, oh, woe is me. Look at this. This thing went wrong and I'm so sick. And I was so sick. I was sleeping on hotel bathroom floors uh, before getting out and announcing races with 30,000 people in the audience. But I, I continued to be who I was, what the public needed from me. I remained uplifting, bright, energetic, uh, Fitz Kohler. I kept things positive. I suffered in silence, at least out of the public view. And so they they had this lesson learned in resilience and um, commitment. And yeah. then when I was done, when I all the suffering was done, and really suffering, well, the reason I didn't reveal my suffering was a it wasn't beneficial to them. Right. You know, so my role for them is to lift them up and make them healthy. Complaining about my hardships wasn't going to lift them up. In fact, it would have done the opposite. Uh, but after it was done, I, I, and I didn't want pity. That was the other thing. I'm not, I'm yeah. not someone who wants any pity at all. So I figured yeah. I'd just shut up. Yeah. I'd tell my, tell my family, my doctors, anyone who needs to know can know, but nobody else yeah. did. And then when I was done about five months later, I published this extraordinary memoir, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. And I revealed the truth. I got into the nitty gritty, gory right. details of what actually was going on. And so lots and lots and lots of people bought the book and they were like, wow, I had no idea yeah. that was going on. And I think for some of those people, they identify with me a little more. I mean, it's, um, as a fitness professional, I would get on stages and I think some people would look and be like, oh, thin blonde woman. She doesn't know what it's like. What does she know? Even though I have a master's and all this experience, um, I think people looked at me skeptic skeptically. And then when I would say something like, oh, by the way, I used to be overweight and I used to have an eating disorder. Then you could see people soften up and, and think, gee whiz, maybe I do like her. <laughs> well, maybe. And, yes. And that's exactly what it boils down to is being able to tap into what they may be feeling, you know, can they so identify? Yes. I, I, yes. I definitely yes. think um, cancer won, my experience with cancer won, won people over for me. And I certainly wasn't trying to do that. But even on right. a local level, there were some local moms at the elementary school or middle school where my kids were. There were some moms who specifically, I would say hi, and they would ignore me. And I want to be friends with everybody. I mean, I feel like we can all win and we can all be nice. And I was, I was intentionally ignored before cancer. And then- once I showed up to, uh, you know, soccer match bald or whatever, interesting, right. those moms would be like, oh, I just want to let you know I'm rooting for you and you're the bravest person I know. And I was like, really? Yeah. Yeah. How come you weren't nice before? But whatever, we always, uh, I'll take the good with the bad. So yeah, I think, I think just um, being resilient, people respect it. And then people could identify with yeah. me and think they, that, for some I weirdness, my, my weakness works. Yeah, and I think being vulnerable is key to attracting those audience members, you know, or attracting clients or anything like that. That vulnerability puts you at a level that they can associate with rather than you coming in so high above, you know, uh, what, what they can experience, you know, as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, you know, I, I just, you know, I had to do that on my terms when I was sick and going through it. I didn't have the capacity to handle other people's right. grief and pity for me. I just, so I, I kept it a secret, but when I was done being sick, then it was okay to be yeah. completely honest and forthright. And, 
you know, fortunately that my, my hardships are serving others benefits and that's, right. that's the way it should be. No, definitely. Definitely. You know, I, um, uh, we talked before and I did not go through cancer or anything, but I did go through a life altering, um, situation down in Brazil that ended up laying me up for probably, uh, six, well, it was six weeks down in Brazil. I couldn't do anything. And then for the next year, a lot of surgeries, you know, and things like that. But what I found in this is probably part of what you fought as well, is I didn't want to use what had happened to me to attract attention to me. Yes. You know, I didn't, because I didn't think it was right to do that. Right. You know, I thought, okay, I'm not going to play on their sympathy. I'm not going to talk about what happened to me. I'm not going to, you know, but in reality, that story, the story that you can tell about the resilience and coming back and, and exactly what you did and not, not taking no for an answer and not about, you know, backing down just because, you know, uh, your body's not keeping up with your mind (laughs) per se you know, is people want to hear that because they can associate with it. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I mean, I've worked for so many cancer causes throughout my career, throughout my life, you know, I'm always trying Mm -hmm. to help others and we've all lost people to cancer, but second I was diagnosed, not one pink ribbon. I will not wear a pink ribbon. I've never worn the shirt. This is cancer warrior, you know, all the cancer girls and cancer guys have these cancer shirts and I, I recoil from that because in my mind, cancer doesn't deserve any more room of honor on my chest. And I know the ribbons represent the fight and I support yeah. those causes, yeah. but I can't, I can't give it any more room. I'm yeah. already scarred up. I've, I've got plenty of, of proof that cancer has affected me. So, you know, I've, I've recoiled about getting attention for cancer to that extent. Um, yeah. But yeah, I also, I, I ended up writing these books because at some point I just thought, okay, well, how do I not help? How do I not help? There are, I mean, there are no resources for cancer patients, at least in books for health and fitness. There's nothing, there's zeros or zip, there's zip, zilch. So being a fitness expert who also happens to have cancer street cred, who's been there, that would have been, I would have been derelict in my duties had I not decided to help create uh, resources to help others dig their way out of the hole like I did. So let, let me ask you this because, you know, personal experience as well. Okay. What is the first thing that went through your mind other than the fact, oh my God, I got cancer. Okay. What is the first thing that went through your mind when it comes to your business? When you found out this, uh, you know, that you had cancer. What was the first thing that went through your mind? It was, F no, it is not taking away this career I've built. It is not. I mean, I'm fitness. I've built my whole adult life. But, you know, those opportunities that I had, my race announcing, my keynote speeches, those are coveted positions. They are coveted positions on incredible stages that I rightfully earned. And I was not going to let cancer take those things from me. And the reality is if I would have taken a year off or a year and a half off, because uh, I had 15 months of chemo with the surgeries and radiation built in. But if I would have taken that time off, people would have understood. I wouldn't have understood. No. Fitness would have completely fizzled out and died. 
all those races who love me, who said, oh, we'll just fill in for you this year. They probably would have hired someone else and kept that other person. My opportunities would have just disappeared. And disappeared. I had stayed home. Yeah, yeah, but instead I figured out a way. I would <laughs> I would get to the airport and I always fly out at 6 a.m. I'm, I'm the first flight of the day girl because I don't want the other problems yeah. with other flights to affect me. Yes. And so my husband would bring me to the airport and we would walk up to TSA and I'd be standing there. Ball. Can you imagine watching your bald, gray, glossy eyed wife uh, stand at the gate of TSA to disappear off into another state sicker? And I was so sick. I was violently ill for a very long time. And he would every single time he would say, how are you going to do this? And I would just say, I just am. I just am. I had so much blind faith in me that uh, nothing was going to get in my way. And I think that's the magic of creating a career that you're so passionate about, that you love so much that, you know, and that's the question that I ask. I do a lot of speaking for university seniors, people that are going to graduate. They say, choose a career that you would pursue even in the faith of a potentially lethal disease. Yeah. What would you move heaven and earth to do? That's the job for you. And the great gift for me is, um, man, travel was rough. If you can imagine, imagine traveling with a stomach bug. No one would want that. I had it every day for an extended period of time. I would get to point B, my race directors would have IV fluids arranged for me with medical personnel. I mean, we went through a lot of steps to keep me upright and get me to so do you had a team. You had a team behind you that was helping to support you. I asked for a lot of help on certain occasions. And those IV fluids were the things that I needed because because I was so sick, I was always so uh, dehydrated. So right. um, that was a big ask. And in general, I mean, people were so polite and courteous and constantly trying to do little things, which meant a whole bunch. But I would sleep on the hotel bathroom floors you know when you're sick and you just like i'm just gonna stay here on the cold tile. i know yeah and, uh, my my alarm would go off at 4 30 in the morning and i would drag myself up and i would get dressed and i would drag myself out to the start line wherever it was and um the magic the absolute magic is no matter how sick Lift i was yeah no matter what was hurting my fingernails ripping off nothing mattered everything disappeared all the problems with me disappeared the second I stepped on those stages, because all of my attention was on my extraordinary events and the incredible thousands of people I was serving. It, it was, it was, uh, I mean, there is no drug on planet earth that could have done for me no. what those wonderful people and events did. And uh, as long as I was on a stage or with uh, those athletes, as long as I had an athlete on the course, I got to be full four fits Kohler. And it was freaking awesome it was so yeah. great um i would shut down hardcore when they were done i was like mm-hmm. uh-oh yeah. things are going wrong um yeah. but it was worth it and if i hadn't have done that dana all i would have been was sick yep and that's unexpected. and you probably wouldn't have recovered as quickly as you did no you know it, it would have just continued on you know when i went through what i went through um what happened was physically i knew i'd get back I believed I could get back physically, you know, and I had seven broken ribs, a collapsed lung, lacerated liver. I had two blown eye sockets, a hematoma, and my right arm was completely crushed. Physically, I knew I could get back. But what happened was when I got back to the States, six weeks later, I found out I had PTSD. Now, mentally, that was a challenge because that's difficult to get over. 
But when I started seeing the, you know, and it wasn't even me who pointed it out. It was my sister said, Dana, there's something wrong. You need to go talk to somebody, you know? And so started talking to somebody and the, the, the psychiatrists were saying, well, we need to go and review your, your past, your history. And I said, why? I was fine before the accident. Why right. can't I just get there again after the accident? So, you know, I, I, I enjoy what you're saying as far as that, that determination, that stubbornness. Okay. Even though I was wrong with the, and I will state this, I was wrong with the psychiatrist when I said that because I wasn't completely fine before the accident. I was just hiding it all, you know? So what, what I like to say is the fact we've got to get to our inner self-sabotaging characters and find out where the root is that keeps us from moving forward. Obviously, you have a strong enough uh, personality and everything, but did you ever go through any of those self-doubts? Uh, so the short answer is no. Um, I've been blessed by birth with a naturally positive, cheery disposition. I actually was conceived in Disney World, and that's what my mom likes. Oh to my gosh! Nikki <laughs> <I know. laughs> so. kind of rubbed off on you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, but I do. I, I just am naturally cheery and happy. I choose to be positive. I choose joy in every circumstance, whenever possible, and that's that's a great gift because not everybody right. has that. Um, right. But I also think there's a lot of learned skills, and I've yeah. I've certainly learned determination, and I've learned that no quit mentality. I've learned. Failure was not an option for me through sports. Uh, and I did a lot of coaching, a lot of coaching. And, and I'm very human. That's It's interesting. Sometimes I'm so bold with my presentation about this, where people think like, oh, she's, she's, she's magic. She's magic woman. I am very human. I cried almost every day. Um, every time they poked me with a needle, I cried. Every time I walked into a hospital, I, I burst into tears. I, I had a lot of sit in my bathroom and cry moments, but I would also let it out and then say, okay, if it's dry it up and go, go get on with life. And it was a lot of self-talk. I had one particular freak out in an MRI machine and anybody else who is claustrophobic will yeah. understand yeah. <laughs> for breast MRI, you're not just on your back. They make you lie face down and they clamp you in by your boobs and pin you down. And it's, it was more stress than I can handle all on top of the fact that I was just told, hey, you have cancer. Hey, you're starting chemo. Hey, you're going to go bald. All these things building up. And so they shoved me face down into the MR machine, MRI machine. And I lost it, man. I am type A. I'm pretty controlled. Screaming, flailing, kicking, get me out. It was- Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Yeah. And so I come out and now the MRI, who used to be nice, is now yelling at me. She's like, you need to get back in there. And I've stayed late for you. This is my, on my extra time. I'm doing this for you. And they will not start chemo for you unless you get back in there. And, and so trying to stop hyperventilating. And so um, I pull my hair up and I take off the socks. I'm trying to like get all the stuff that would make me feel even more claustrophobic. But shove me back in the machine. And I have never used so much willpower in my life. I used to be a competitive kickboxer. Yeah. And, and that was that was not scary to me at all. That just seemed like a fun time. But there I was. So she shoves me in the machine. Yeah. 
and and so the psychology that's really where my mental health kicked in mm-hmm. hardcore because right. for right. 45 minutes I kept telling myself I kept I I mean I could put myself back there I kept saying okay you you can do hard things you used to be a full contact kickboxer you've raised two great kids you've built an international business like I kept reminding listing things in my head that I had accomplished and saying you can do hard things you can do hard things and um I, I mean, like a lunatic, I was saying in my head, but eventually I'd said it enough that that 45 minutes was over. Yeah. And then I kept that mantra, I can do hard things. And um, I eventually said it enough that my 15 months of chemo and surgery and radiation was over, but I got in there. It wasn't easy. No, it's not. these These are skills that people can learn. You can coach yourself into being, um, tougher, braver, more resilient. It's, you know, again, I've got a cheery nature and I acknowledge that's a gift, but all the other stuff, it's very learned. It's a decision every time. My husband is one of those cheery people. He always (laughs) looks at the other side of things, you know, and so he keeps me on, on par as far as that's concerned. But, um, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about on the MRI, you know, and being face down, I went through a biopsy and Mm -hmm. had to do that, you know, and face down and, they're working underneath you. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God, you know. <laughs> Barbaric. Like, well, how does this happen? It is. It is. Bizarre. <laughs> Bizarre. It is. It is. But, you know, it's really, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's challenging. And it's, um, I, I don't want, I don't know what to, what word to use while you're going through it. It's, it's, not scary. It's, I don't know, but understanding that there is a time limit. Like you said, 45 minutes right now, I go through every Saturday, I go through, um, what's called, um, electromagnetic training. Have you heard of that electromagnetic training? Whereas they, you're, you're, you're strapped in like you're, um, uh, the, the Borg from, you got this vest and straps and everything and you're strapped in like a huge tens machine all right and they they pulse different areas in your body okay and while they're going through this you're actually exercising 20 minutes is all it is and it's like four hours of working out okay and I keep telling myself 20 minutes and I'm watching that clock because I hate working out. (laughs) But 20 minutes, I said, I can handle 20 minutes. I'm telling you, I get the best workout I have ever gotten in that 20 minutes. It's really right. Yeah. Right here. This is, this is interesting. And I, and I'm, I'm a part of the running community as a runner and as a professional, And you know, that marathon distance most people who show up have trained for it. They're properly trained. Exactly. The hard part between point A and point B is not what their body can do. It's what's going on between what's their going on in their minds. You know, it's that constant. Okay. My knee hurts. My back hurts. I'm tired. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. One yeah. gets to put one foot in front of another. I think those are the same skills that I used in cancer. And yeah. then when I was yeah. done with cancer, um, I, you know, I had some really interesting athletic experiences immediately after chemo, which were kind of funny, but just over a year later, I ran my first marathon. I ran the Boston marathon and, uh, I was invited to do it for charity and I'd never run a full before. I never wanted to, I was satisfied with halves and shorter distances. 
But when the invitation came in, first I cursed the guy out. I was like, F you, stop inviting me for this. And then I thought, well, you know what? I mean, it can't be harder than cancer. So fine. So now everything I do is compared to that. Like what will ever be hard again? What will ever be scary again? The only thing I can imagine is if something happened to my children, I would be terrified. Other than that, I'm fine. Life is onward. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Exactly it. So what has been the easiest and hardest parts of your business? Oh, gosh. Well, the easiest part is uh, my enthusiasm for what I do. I am so desperate to help people. I love helping people live better, live longer. I love it when someone calls and says, Fitz, I've lost 100 pounds or Fitz, I'm wearing these jeans I feel great in or Fitz, my back doesn't hurt anymore or my knee doesn't hurt. So I am internally motivated to help others. And it's so rewarding to me every day, the positive feedback comes back when someone's doing better and I feel like a valid person. So that's the easiest part. I would say the hardest part would be the things that don't fall within my wheelhouse. So I have, I've, I've filed and successfully filed five trademarks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Filing trademarks. It's a pain in the can. And I just like, Stuff like that tortures me. Uh, I'm I'm finally becoming a much better negotiator. Negotiating, nice. talking about money used to feel really uncomfortable. Now I now I enjoy it. You know what, Dana? One of my favorite things to do. It's a hobby now. I love invoicing. I love invoicing. I just think it's fun. It's a sign of success. Someone is. I was going to say it's it's the idea that that's money I've earned. It's coming in. You know. But do you ever find yourself, um, because of the uh, of your attitude of wanting to help people and things like that, have you ever found yourself to a point where you're discounting what you're bringing to them? I, I have done that. And I've done that to a fault, um, so, yeah. which is why now I finally feel better. I know the value. There's a, there's a, yeah. a very... A uh, big value to what I bring to the table. It took me a long time to figure it out. Uh, when I used to do, and it's been many years, but when I used to do personal training, you know, I fall in love with my clients. They become good fam- friends, like family. And whenever they hand over a check, I feel so uncomfortable. Um, but I feel so wonderful now that I've, I've learned that uh, I make a living helping other people live their best life. I think there's right. a great value to this. When I show up at a race, you know, they have to invest a significant amount in me, but not only do I make the experience exponentially better for the athletes, those athletes are going to have a great time. They're far more likely to re-register for the same event the next year because I help them have fun. People fly around the country to uh, run the races just because I'm announcing. So I know there's a value. I'm being there. Maybe you're paying me something, but I believe strongly that you're prof- you're profiting right. off of me way more than you're paying me. And so, yeah, I think when you're doing ethical, honest work, it's okay to be financially rewarded for it. And right. um, I'm finally there. I'm finally there. It took a long yeah. time, Dan. Well, a lot of a lot of small business owners, they do undervalue what they bring to the table. And it's important for them to take stock in what it is that they do bring. Okay. And price it accordingly. And don't be afraid. Of, of putting it out there and, and, you know, collecting the money. It's critical. 
so I've learned two things that if you don't charge enough, people won't take you seriously. That's true. And if you charge too little, people won't take you seriously. Oh, well, that's the same thing, right? They won't have value. They'll, they'll, think, they'll think your product is cheap. It's interesting how many people are, are writing a book and selling yeah. it for $1.99. Well, who wants to read a $1.99 book? Sorry, yeah. no, thank you. Yeah. I mean, clearly it's priced at its value. What if you wrote the best book and you charge $1.99? People look yeah. and they're like, mm, you know. Okay, well, it depends it. on what your what what the purpose is behind writing the book, first of all, and second, will people read it? If they yes. look at dollar ninety nine yeah. book, do you think they're going to read it? Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got books that I have read uh, that I have written, but they are more informational and they are used as a branding tool to hand out at meetings and 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 talks and things like that. I think it's more valuable to give a book away than to yeah. say give me a dollar ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah, give like books away like it. crazy. Yeah. Give. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, no. So, uh, how has, now you did talk about how, while you were going through your cancer and everything, it increased tremendously the, the revenue, right? How yeah. has it changed since I've gone through business, your process. Business is booming. Business is booming. I mean, I, I, I think my career was, it, well, I know it, it was growing as cancer hit me in the face. You know, it was like, psh, there you go. You and all your happy right. success and noisy success. Um, but yeah, I kept pressing forward and, you know, from the race point of view, I, I kept having fun and, and maybe more people were, curious about the bald announcer like what the heck's going on over there why is everybody having so much fun with the sick one uh so race directors have reached out and said hey we love your energy can we get that over here and so the calendars filled up my my willingness to discuss my my cancer nonsense now the only reason I talk about what I went through is to help you yeah right so yeah. it's never like oh by the way and this is the, it's about me I only used my story because there's some serious lessons learned. When when I wrote this book, The Noisy Cancer Comeback, my first instinct was, I didn't know it was going to be a book. I just thought, eventually I'll tell people because stuff kept happening, such weird stuff. And it got so weird that it was funny. And uh, we were laughing about it in the house. And I had all these weird nicknames. I, at first, I looked like Shrek. And then I looked like the baby from... Toy Story with the, with the spider legs. And then I became Voldemort and we were just laughing. And I thought, you know what? People would have a good laugh at my expense. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the first thing I thought, gosh, if people knew what was going on behind the scenes, they would die. And then it hit me that, um, you know, I, I'm still, a, I still am who I am with this help people do better, be better thing. And I thought, I really, there's some lessons here that I can share that will help people do better and be better. The perspective, passions, positivity, the right. I can do hard things, which has become like a big mantra. And uh, so that's where that book came in. And then, you know, the other point of growth is, uh, so I was wasted by treatment. I lost 11% of my yeah. body fat I'm, or my body weight. I'm already a trim woman. I went from 125 to 110. I was skeletally skinny and so weak. And I had one of these aha moments in a fitness center. I had just, I finished the meanest part of chemo and surgery. And even though I had been working on mobility and balance and things to stay fit at home, this was my day to go 
to the gym to strength train. I was, I was so excited to get in there and I sat down on a machine, I think chest press. And, uh, I tried to lift what I previously lifted and that wasn't working. And I had to keep lowering the resistance. Eventually I found I could only lift 20% of what I had previously oh. lifted. I was so right. Ravaged. I, and, and I should have known this because I couldn't open water bottles. I would have to pass them. Could you please open the water bottle? I sometimes yeah. couldn't open the car door. I mean, I was really weak. And so when I hit that 20% is what I could lift. I had two thoughts. Number one is thank goodness. I'm Fitzcola, the fitness expert, because I know exactly how to build my body back up. And I am going to, you know, do it gradually and wisely. And I'm going to get there. And not only am I going to be fit, but I'm going to be better. That was my like, F you yeah. can't, I'm just going to go hardcore. And I'm going to be so great. But then I thought, okay, imagine I'm not fitness expert. Imagine what the other millions and millions of cancer patients and survivors out there are feeling when they hit rock bottom and they have no, no fitness savvy and no knowledge on how the heck to, to rebound from this shell of a person that you once were. I was a, I just, I was a shadow of myself. I was a very pathetic little sick, weak right. person. But I was motivated and I was knowledgeable. And what about those people who didn't have it? And so noisy was already in the process. But um, of what I committed to, and I actually, it's so funny. This is, this is how cocky I was, Dana. And you know how hard it is to write a book. So mm -hmm. um, I put in the back of this book, up next, your healthy cancer comeback. Because I knew that it would have been derelict of my mm -hmm. duty as a fitness expert not to share the right. blueprint for a healthy cancer comeback. And so uh, healthy cancer comeback, sick to strong. It's a manual. It's a full blown. This is, this is what you do upon diagnosis. This is how you train during chemo, during radiation, during surgeries. Uh, this is how you exercise like hundreds of photos in the middle of regular exercise for someone who could stand. And now dozens of exercises. If you can't stand, here's exercises you can do in the chair. Right. If you can't sit in the chair. There's things you can do in bed right. to maintain mobility and strength. Every time you get in the shower, I want you to do these series of stretches. And then when you're locked in an exam room alone, because we get locked in exam rooms forever. Yes. That's at that time. Stretches you can do on the exam table, uh, push-ups on the counter. You can turn music on and you can dance in the room because the door is shut and it's your exam room. So it's a full-blown, there's nutrition, there's uh, quality rest, there's compassion for yourself, there's motivation to do better, there's complimentary care. The book is wildly thorough. And uh, this is the thing, this, and there's a companion journal, Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal. Now, you know, publishing one book is hard. I decided, I was like, double down, we're going to do two, because the <laughs> second book is going to matter. And it's a place for people to document not only all the details about their diagnosis, their treatment, their scans, their plans, but then prompts about your family and your friends. Who is your best shoulder to right. cry on? Right. Uh, who brings the best home-cooked meals? What is your nickname for your point, for your port? What celebrity do you look like bald? And then the back half of the book is uh, daily fitness logs. And so you can put in all the details of your training, track your progress, when you go to sleep, when you wake up, how much water you're drinking. But then strawberry moments. Do you know what strawberry moments are? Mm -mm. Okay. No. So they're a wide known thing among some, but I learned about them when my kids went to summer camp out in the woods, a sleepaway camp. And at the end of the night, each cabin would gather before bed and the kids would go around and share their strawberry moments, which are 
your favorite, your best moments of the day, the thing that made you feel special. And so at summer camp, it's probably winning a canoe race or making a new friend or singing a great song. But within cancer, you know, believe it or not, even during cancer, you will have silver linings, you will have strawberry moments. And so every day our, our, our cancer patient or survivor is documenting, you know, the best moment of their day. And maybe it was a kind nurse or maybe someone stuck you and it didn't hurt, or maybe an old friend texted you, whatever it is. It's so important when you're going through hard stuff to focus on the good things Uh, because, you know, you could spiral down or you can spiral up and this, this journal will help you spiral up. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, it's, um, it's, it's important for you to be able to look at these times in your life and, and, you know, like you said, you know, have some fun with it because that takes the heaviness out of it. You know, my accident in Brazil, I jokingly, every time I talk to people about it, I said, I'm the poster child of traffic planning down in Brazil. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because Brazil is terrible at planning. Boy. You know, and uh, so, you know, joking about it is, is or, or just having fun with it, because if you're constantly in, in you're, you're a testament to this, okay? If you're constantly going to be looking at the bad side of things, you know, you're, you're never going to get over it. You know, you're right. looking at cancer, looking at, did you ever, um, did you ever know or see the girl? I think she was on, uh, what is it? Uh, America's Got Talent. The Ovarian girl. cancer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And she, she just kept saying, that's okay. Don't worry about me. That's okay. You know, and she, you know, she made it through, you know, and stuff like that. She was great. What was her nickname? I want to say it was Sparrow or Black Blackbird. Okay. I, don't... I think it was Blackbird. But anyway, you know, she, she didn't make it through. She knew she wasn't going to be making it through, but she had always wanted to sing. And she had a beautiful voice, you know. So I did see that story and it was gripping. And um, one of the things, and this is less on the, you can do hard things thing is I think it's important when we love someone going through something terminal, especially is to continue to include them in the good parts of life. So I had a, uh, a day that gave me two different perspectives. So I, it was at the worst part of my chemo and uh, everything was going wrong and it was rough, but I, instead of flying home from announcing in Denver, which was hard, I flew to Orlando to watch my daughter compete in a cheerleading competition. And so that morning, again, all of these things has gone wrong. I finally had that epiphany that I understand why people discontinue treatment. If things were never going to be as good as they are today, this would be a time where I said, no, thank you. Please don't do this to me anymore. I'm just going mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy the best. However, the other thing is I wasn't dying. I was just suffering. And I went out to this arena packed with people to watch my daughter and her friends cheer. It was so hard to get there. And it was, I felt so yucky, but I was so delighted to be there. Right. I was so happy to be there with her and not just hold up in a room at home, hiding out because I was sick. And so if it's your grandma, your husband, your kid, your whatever, and they're feeling bad, please don't discourage them from joining in. 
from right. going to school or church or a show or a restaurant. Please in include them. Don't, you know, it's no, no, you need to stay home. Well, if they're dying anyways, freak, let them out. Let them live however many days they live. So um, you learn a lot. You learn a lot going through these experiences, you know, these yeah. life altering experiences. And, you know, if I were to go back and and flip the switch, I would definitely go back and not have cancer. You know, I'm not one of those like, it happened for oh, a yeah. reason. I'm afraid. I'm so happy it happened. I'm not. Um, but if I didn't come out better for it, and if I didn't use my platform to help others do better for my weird experience, that would be wasteful. Yes. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. You know, um, what, you know, you got to look at, okay, what is really important in your life? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, your loved ones, those are the people who are going to be there to support you and you need to be there to support them, you know, no matter how you feel. Yeah, as long as you can, but <laughs> right. you know, when I, when I had my accident, even my clients down in Brazil, they were coming to my apartment because I couldn't go anywhere. They would come to my apartment to do okay. business because they, they wanted to continue doing what they could do, you know, and things like that. So that was, that was, and I'm laid up on the couch and uh, on pain medications and sleeping pills. And all this well, Dana, you must be so great at what you do because all of these <laughs> people still had value in you and your professionalism at your worst. It speaks volumes. I'm telling you, they were coming to my apartment. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. So we're coming up on the end of another session here with Charged Up Studio. And I've really enjoyed talking with Fitz here. And I hope everybody else has. Um, any advice that you want to give others who are considering entrepreneurship? I 100% recommend it. I think it's uh, noble and a, uh, a, a an American right, if you're here, that freedom thing. Well, I love the freedom to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Pursue your passions. For many of us, there is not a cookie cutter career for us to go apply, you know, fill out the application and get our dream job. Right. For me, it did not exist. So I had to create a career. So yeah, live that free yeah. person's dream. And if you, you're so passionate about serving people in a certain way or creating certain products, do it, do it. Know that it's, it's a never ending experience. Um, it's 24 hours a day, but hopefully you're so fulfilled by it uh, that it's worth it to you and, and ask for help, right? Look, read books, look at YouTube, listen to podcasts, get as much information you can. Because one of, one of the reasons I speak to young professionals and students is that I don't want them to have to remake my mistakes. So yeah. you'll make your own yeah. stupid mistakes. Just don't remake mine. So learn from the people around you that are providing these great resources full of information and, um, you know, commit fully, be prepared to pivot and uh, do you know, maybe what you thought you were going to do evolves into something else. But right. hey, I'm I'm giving three cheers to all the entrepreneurs out there because I, I'm so grateful I chose that path for me. And yeah. uh, I wish you tons of success in yours. No, definitely, definitely. So can I ask you, how are you doing right now with the cancer? You in remission? What? I am 100% healthy. I'm possibly, other than dinged up, you know, I get some scars. I think I'm healthier than I've ever been. And I finished chemo in May, 2020. So I still take a, a daily pill 
um, to keep that those cancer cells at bay. But I am I'm 100%. I am the living example of uh, you take good care of yourself and make good decisions, then uh, you can easily move past cancer and be whole again. No, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, I'm really glad that you were able to join us here, Fitz. Do me a favor and tell our audience members how they can get a hold of you. Okay. Thank you for asking. So a couple of ways. So fitsness.com is my home base for everything. That's F-I-T-Z as in zebra, N-E-S-S, fitsness.com. It's a house. It houses tons of free resources for you. So if you want to lose weight or build strength or gain flexibility, it's all there. Uh, I also have my books available at fitsness.com. Now, the Cancer Comeback series will be available wherever books are sold, but I prefer you to come to Fitsness because I sign 100% of the books that leave my office and I send a free gift and I package them in a very fun, pretty way. Make sure all of my readers feel special. I have online courses and, and more materials to help you do better, be better at fitsness.com. I'm also on social media at fitsness. So Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. And I, I love followers. We all love followers, right? And I hope yeah. to use my my channels to help, again, make you smarter and more capable too of all of the goodness in the world. However, beyond followers, I prefer friendship. So please reach out and say, hey, I heard you on Dana's podcast. I'd like to connect. And, and that would be really special for me. So um, fitness everywhere. Excellent. Excellent. So you've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with myself, Dana Olivo, as host. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know, you don't know about running a small business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to, to us on or visit our YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can support us through Patreon by visiting our website chargedupstudio.live and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. Thank you once again, Fitz. Thanks, Dana. Bye, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.